Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw. And right now-ish, people have been cooped up for months. Human beings being human beings, people are making babies. But with hospitals dealing with COVID-19, I figured it'd be a good time to talk to the out-of-hospital service providers that a lot of expecting parents are turning to. I'm talking about midwives and doulas. People oftentimes say that the work that we do is like mothering the mother. Samaya Monet is a birth worker, helping people to deliver babies and giving care to expected parents. She shares her work on social media, up-close visuals of breached births and things of that nature. Stuff that I don't normally see on my timeline. It was those posts that brought me into her world and made me interested in learning a bit more about her and her work. In addition to being a doula, Samaya identifies as a reproductive justice advocate. She spends her time helping people with issues around menstruation and navigating abortion, as well as conception and caring for babies. And she's helped deliver a lot of newborns. She says she's attended over 500 births. And lately, she's gotten a lot more business. We're living in day-to-day, as everyone is saying, but I'd imagine that even after this passes, there will be more births as people are shacked up together, right? So are you expecting business to continue to boom? We are. It's so funny that you mentioned that because a lot of the um, birth workers that I follow on Instagram have been making jokes about it. Like, all right, everybody call me in nine months, you know, <laughs> everybody's all quarantined, shacked up together. You know, what is there to do but just have more sex? <laughs> Today, we're talking to Samaya Monet about the future of birthing babies. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.
I recently found a window in Samaya's busy schedule, and we had a conversation via video chat. You're busy right now doing a lot more work. Why right now? Because of the coronavirus, COVID-19, many people are not wanting to be in the hospital. So they're looking towards out-of-hospital practitioners to take care of them. And are you seeing any specific demographics racially? I tend to mostly attract people of color, queer and trans folks, especially black people. And right now I am seeing like the biggest surge of black people who are pregnant seeking home birth services more than I've ever seen personally in my career. But this is something that's like it's it's pretty well known that the disparity of treatment when it comes to just black health in general, but specifically when it comes to the birthing process, black women die at a, at a higher rate than any other demographic. And so I imagine through your work, you've served a lot of African-American women who don't want to go to the hospital. What are they telling you about right now and how it differs from past experiences? They were already on the fence, like they wanted to have a home birth. They wanted to experience out-of-hospital midwifery care. However, they continued with the hospital system. And the biggest reason is financial, um, because you have to pay out of pocket to you know retrieve our services. And they're like, this insurance that covers hospital only. But now they're like, yeah, I don't want to deliver in the hospital. And the big, big, big thing that got a lot of black women, honestly, was the policies that said your partner couldn't be with you and you had to birth alone. Or the policy said only one person can be with you, be it your partner or anyone else. And that is it. And it's like, you know, going through the court system where you want someone to accompany you like a lawyer to navigate that system. So you don't get, you know, screwed or you don't walk away like, dang it, I wish I would have known. Right. I understand the policy, the reason for, it, you know, the health reasons. But I imagine it's it's horrifying to go through that type of process alone at any time, but especially now where you're walking into a hospital where you know for a fact that there are people who are being treated with this virus. It was already all bad, you know? It was already a system that you had to walk into that wasn't necessarily favoring who you are. Now, our outcomes within that system, proofs in the pudding, the proofs in the numbers, as I always say, are really adverse and heinous. You know, it's like a silent genocide, honestly. There's nothing new about unfavorable results for African-Americans during the birthing process. Black mothers died at a rate of 3.2 times that of white mothers, according to a CDC survey from 2007 to 2016. Samaya looks at these outcomes and suggests that people research alternatives to delivering babies in hospitals. People don't understand that we're, that we're autonomous. People want to connect us to a hospital, to a facility, to an institution where I'm like, it's the same way if you went to a massage therapist, they're just an autonomous practitioner. Or you can go to a therapist who's an autonomous practitioner, who's registered with whatever board, so for us, it's the medical board, and you practice. And that practice is a thing of beauty. There's nothing better than new life. And Samaya... She has this distinguished position of being the person with a pair of hands that brings new life into this world. It's what she casually refers to as catching babies. Wait, wait, wait. Bring me back to the terminology. You said catching? Oh, yeah. It's like we we say it sometimes, catching babies. Yeah. It paints (laughs) a hell of an image. Now, I played center field, right? I know. (laughs) I actually don't like saying it that much. 
because one, it's not accurate to what I do. It's very rare that I um, receive a baby in my hands. A lot of times, believe it or not, the person who's giving birth, they catch their own baby or the partner. Oh. Yeah. Or I ask a loved one in the room who wants to catch the baby because I'd rather it not be me because how special to be like my auntie caught me or my grandma caught me, my dad caught me, my uncle caught me. You know, it's just nice to have that to be part of their family story. So I really love to give that gift to someone else. But sometimes I find myself doing that. <laughs> what does it feel like? Like, what does it feel like to be the first hands that a person feels? Yeah, I think about that a lot, Pin. honestly. Like, it's a lot of people out there where I was the first person they felt, the first human contact. And a lot of times on their head, <laughs> sometimes on their butt, <laughs> depending on how they're coming out. I just always acknowledge that moment. It just feels really, really human. It feels very powerful. It just feels, it's just a deep sense of connection. But, I mean, on a physical note, it's very, like, you know, wet and soft and a bit slimy. <laughs> right. And so even in that, like, how do you, for lack of a better term, how do you stomach it? Like, It doesn't feel like that for me, you know? It's almost like, you know, when you're a kid, sex was like, ew. But then when you're grown, sex is like, ooh, you know? So it's like that kind of thing where it just it's not an ill thing for me anymore. It's like a certain maturity and understanding I have of it where it's like, Ooh, and not ill, you know. What is it like to see that mother see the child for the first time? That is such a sweet question. I love that you asked that question. Oftentimes, I actually will have the baby and ask the mother to reach down and retrieve the baby to her. The baby will just come out of the body and they take a moment to breathe and to integrate what just happened. And then at some moment, they go, oh, baby. And they look down. They're like, oh, baby. They bring baby to them. And I want my clients to experience that as much as possible. Click something in your brain that has a certain surge of hormones that support with the placenta coming out, all the things, right? But when I do place the baby on a person's chest, I always feel like, I want to say unworthy, almost. I always feel kind of like it's just such a big moment that... <laughs> yeah, part of me just feels so like like an ant, you know, like so humble. That's what it is. So humble, so overwhelmed with how powerful and tender and special that moment is. Like it's something about a moment that you know is like it's the only time it's gonna exist. It feels magical to say the least. It oftentimes, of course, brings me to tears. It's a very overwhelming feeling of just humility. Thank you for taking me there. I was like sitting here like, oh, let me think about it. <laughs> Big thank you to Samaya for doing the work that you do and for telling us all about it. We recorded that interview during the third annual Black Maternal Health Week, which is every April. Samaya wanted to be sure to give a shout out to Black Mamas Matter Alliance, whose work can be found at blackmamasmatter.org. And be sure to follow Samaya's work on Instagram at Sumi's Touch, S-U-M-I-S-T-O-U-C-H. Before I go, I wanted to give some light to a brand new podcast that I listened to. It's called Natal, and it's all about diving deeper into the stories of Black maternal health. I highly suggest you check it out. 
It's available on all podcast platforms, and you can find it by searching Natal, N-A-T-A-L. And now it's time to thank the people who made this happen. My producer, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, my editor, Jessica Plachik, and the higher-ups over at KQED. That's Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you for listening. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid. And I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.